the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to the Instructor Podcast. This is a show where I speak to leaders, experts, innovators and game changers to help you develop your driving school and become an even more awesome driving instructor. As always, I am your splendid host, Terry Cook, and I'm delighted to be here and even more delighted that you have chosen to listen because today we are back with Season 6 and we're kicking off with a very special episode with the... um, the Scottish Han Solo, as I refer to him, Stuart Lockery. Now, we're going to be talking about coaching, about some of the ways that instructors struggle, and looking at some potential ways that we can change our mindset around coaching, as well as talking about bright coaching and their new course I've got coming out next year, which is a PDA level seven, and some of the excellent things around that, including the partnership with The Honest Truth. And we even talk a little bit about accidents versus collisions, what should they be called. But before we dive into this episode, I want to start off by saying a big thank you. We are back with season six. I'm delighted that we've got this far and um, a big thank you to listening. It's really appreciated. The numbers have grown every single season. Hopefully they continue to and hopefully I can keep providing some good quality content that you guys enjoy. So big thank you for listening. It's very much appreciated. But I do want to ask you one favour before we move on. I'd like you to subscribe and share. So whatever you're listening, be Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else, go and click subscribe. So every time there's a new episode, it drops straight into your feed. And if you're feeling nice, share this episode as well. You can share it in your WhatsApp groups or your local associations, online, or even just with one of your instructor colleagues. It's time for us to get stuck into this episode with the Scottish Han Solo. And on today's episode, we are joined by the Scottish Han Solo, Stuart Lockery. How are we doing, Stuart? I'm very well, Chewbacca. How are you? <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I'd prefer Darth Vader, to be honest. Um, right, well, let's get let's get stuck in before I get stuck into Star Wars. Um, the, the, the tagline for this show is that I speak to leaders, experts, innovators, and game changers. So I like to ask all my guests which one or ones of those they fall into. So leader, expert, innovator, or game changer. Um, I guess the, the 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 ego the ego inside me wants to be all, but if you're gonna force me to pick, um I would I would say game changer. Um with my the, the hat the hat that I'm wearing at the present moment in time um is, is definitely game changing. Why game changer? I mean, you're welcome to say all, by the way, because I would if you asked me. But but why game changer um, in particular? So why game changing? I mean, I, I could take you back to um, my background is hospitality management, um, and one of the greatest um, companies I worked for was was Radisson Hotels, and we did the opening of the Radisson Hotel in Glasgow, two thousand and two. It's the the hotel where I met my wife, um, so it holds a very special place in my being, do you know, it's a very kind of central part of my being. And that hotel was a game changer in terms of the hospitality scene. They basically looked at every other hotel in the city and decided to do everything the opposite way from every other hotel. And that really resonated with me. It resonated with all the other managers, all my fellow managers um, at, at the time in the hotel. Everyone was talking about us. And I think I've taken a lot from that hotel and, and my hospitality background in general into the way I run business. My I run my businesses now. I, I 
I'm on record as talking about the national driving schools when I, I set up Caledonian. I looked at what the national driving schools were getting a bad reputation for, and I decided not to do any of that stuff and just try and come up with original stuff that no that nobody's done before. Um, it was I, I mean I saw you but I saw you but actually um, last week at the ICE um, conference and virtual reality. Um, and it feels like about four or five years ago now that um, I was speaking to the Leicestershire Fire Brigade and our driving instructors had VR headsets um, and we were taking them into our lessons. Um, and I don't think anyone else was doing that at the time. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like to think of myself as a game changer. A disruptor was was was, was another kind of word that I liked. I like that. Um, I think that's why you stand out for me a little bit, actually. And I just... Throwing an example out there as to why someone approached me recently asking about a product they were creating and producing, and I'm not going to name it now, but it was very similar to everything else on the market. And I'm like, come back with something exciting. And I said it probably nicer than that, but I'm like, come back with something different, something that excites me, you know, and and that sparked them. And it strikes me that you're a little bit like that. You know, I, I don't want to do the same old, same old. I want to go and find this this new, exciting way. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's not to be different. It's not being different for the sake of being different, and it's not purely a business plan um, strategy either. It's what gets me out of bed in the morning, Terry. It's that's what genuinely excites me is is doing different things that, that nobody's done before. Yeah, and, and that's cool for me, and, and it's interesting as well because you mentioned a little bit about your background there and. I mentioned this to you before we started recording today, but it feels to myself and a lot of people like you've almost sprung up out of nowhere. Now, I think that's my English bias. You know, I think that's, you know, you're north of the border. So I came across you first, I think it was last year at the Expo, um, and immediately came onto my radar as someone, I want him on the show, I want to work with him going forward. So just tell us a little bit about, some of the work you've done in the past, like with your driving school and, and what you're doing up north, if you like, so that, you know, because my, the majority of my audience is down south, I'll be honest, in in in, the, in England. I would say the UK. Scotland's in the UK. Um, yeah, for the moment. At the moment, yes. Um, <laughs> I won't ask you how you're going to vote, <laughs> if there's a vote. Um, but yeah, just tell us a little bit about that, because I'm intrigued to know a little bit more. Um, no, th- you know, I think that's fair enough. Um, I... Up until very recently, I, I've kind of tended to keep my head down a little bit. Um, I feel like in Glasgow I um I'm, I'm well known in Glasgow I'm probably well known in Edinburgh and up to kind of Perth as well because I've trained driving instructors from all around these areas even over to Ayrshire I've so I've, I've always had for about you know eight nine ten years now I've had a good kind of um profile in these areas um I for, for people who don't know my background, I own a driving school. Um, I've I've owned this driving school since about 2011, 2012. Um, it's called Caledonian um, Driver Training. We have about 30, 28 to 30 instructors at the moment. We've got about 15 PDIs at any one time coming through. Um, and I, I, I've enjoyed doing that for many years. We now have training managers um, I've got a part-time office manager just because it just gets so big and just um, it, it sounds really bad moaning about it, but it's so so complex to kind of manage at times. Um, it's a bit like that that thing about having all your strikers fit for the football fans out there. It's, it's a good problem to have that I've had to hire people and get involved in payroll and all that kind of stuff. Um, but one of the 
one of the other reasons I, I, I've had to do that, apart from necessity, is that I want to do other things in this industry, which we will no doubt go on and talk about today. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, I've built a driving school. I've also got myself heavily involved with the ADI MGC, and hopefully that's managed to build my profile a little bit down south. Not not that that was ever a deliberate plan, but you know, up, up until recently, I've just been, I don't know, just, just kind of working away, trying to learn, trying to learn from people. Um, I remember when I first went to the ADI NGC, I was invited in by Andrew Love and a chap called Ed Marshall, who's no longer in our industry. He's a police, a blue light trainer now with Yorkshire Police. Ed Marshall kind of left a few years ago, but a really good guy, um, very good instructor trainer. And I remember going to the ADI NGC, driving down for a meeting and just being really, coming away um I think we spoke recently about the expo, the, the way you come away feeling motivated and inspired by being around like-minded people and people you look up to. Um, and I, I first got that at the ADI NGC. I, ju- I just knew that it was good for me to, to be in that. So joining the NGC was not about raising my profile. It was about improving me and just surrounding myself. One of the downsides about Scotland, um, obviously there are lots of downsides about wherever you live, but in terms of our industry is there are just fewer driving instructors, which means fewer driving instructor trainers, which means fewer leaders. Um, We only have 4,000 driving instructors in the UK. The other 35,000 are across the rest of the country. Um, So I had to come down to England to meet all these people and to to get a network. Um, That's nothing against the, 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 the many excellent trainers we have up here. We all know we'll be listening to this, you know, um, Trisha Moyer over in Ayrshire, Malcolm Harrison, um, and the guys up in Inverness as well. Th- these are the ones I know best. Over in um, Edinburgh, you've got some really good guys as well. But as a network of people that I could become friendly with and learn from and um, you know get to know, kind of form a little tribe with, it was the NGC that got me into that. I should take a moment to thank you, actually, because I think since you come on board and, and uh, started listening and interacting a bit with me, my presence in Scotland has grown a bit more. I've got Scottish Good. listeners and Scottish premium members, so yeah, very much Good. appreciated. Good. But you were speaking there about some other things you wanted to do, and, and, I, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I'm keen to ask because when I saw you last at the Expo, you, you were doing your presentation down there, which was brilliant, by the way. Um and one of the things you said to me was it was one of your goals to present at the expo. So, you know, first of all, well done on achieving your goal. Um, and it was, as I said, really good presentation, full house as well, which is always good. Yep. Um, thank you. Wh- why was that a goal for you? Um, why was it a goal for me? Because I've never really felt that I've been a very good public speaker. Um, and this probably comes from experience in hospitality as well i've got my own little tribe um in glasgow i've got i've, I've got my my guys who um I, I try to look after to the best of my ability with the at caledonian and we have meetings and we have development days and i am more than comfortable standing up in front of them and presenting and i can you know we i feel com- that's my comfort zone i took some coaching um, over the last year and, and sometimes in coaching if you're talking about growth and development you'll hear people discuss you know comfort zones and stretch zones and my stretch zone is was I'm not sure which word is best there um, is 
speaking in front of people who I don't know because I feel like I've still got to kind of prove myself, prove that I, I am who I want to be, which I want to be a leader in this industry. Um, but I kind of feel sometimes in front of people I don't know, whether that's a local association meeting or like the MSA um, events, that I, I, I kind of have to prove myself. And what I discovered through coaching was that that was just a limiting belief that I had. And I needed to change the way that I was filtering that that, that view of myself. Um, and it was through that coaching that, you know, bright coaching evolved and I was going to do this. And then how am I going to promote bright coaching? Well, I'm going to have to go and speak. I'm going to have to get up on that stage somewhere or in front of that room. And I'm going to have to be convincing and I'm going to have to talk and I'm just going to have to get over myself um, in terms of um, my fears. Um, and it's still a work in progress, Terry. This has been the first year that I've done it. Um, but I've had, I've spoken three three times now and I've got one more event to go in, a, in two weeks in, in Scotland at the MSA um, and two have gone well one was a bit duff so yeah I'm, I'm a work in progress it's uh it's interesting you say that because I can empathize massively you know I know the um intelligent instructor asked me to you know do the podcast live there my first response was nope that's not happening <laughs> I'm not going in front of those people but you know, kind of like you, it's like you've got to get out of your own way and do it. And and you kind of mentioned that's almost was the the birth of bright coaching. Uh, so it seems opportune to mention that. So tell us about bright coaching. What is it? And I know you kind of said the birth of it. What is it? What's the purpose? Where does it stem from? Talk to me about that. So it stems from the, the work I did with Tri, uh, Tri Coaching Partnership years ago. Um, I was one of the, the the first people to go through the the, the B Tech Level Four with them. And it, it changed my it changed it, it's it's honestly not too grand a statement to say it changed my life because I I had no concept of things like goal setting um, and taking responsibility for your um, not your own decisions because obviously I'm an adult but taking responsibility for you the, the, the kind of plan of your life going forward that was all very new to me um, and the fact the, the realization that I could influence and control that more than I I was. At that time was, 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 yeah, just huge light bulb moments all over the place. Because up until then, like, like a lot of people, you just kind of live your life. You, you, you get a job. Um, you go with the flow. If you hate your job, you might go and do something else. But if you're okay with your job, you're kind of generally happy. You'll just go, you'll roll with the punches. Um, I was made redundant, um, twice in 2008. Um, it was a financial crash and hospitality suffered quite a lot during the financial crash. Um, and I was just sitting in, at home and I remember this very clearly. I was sitting at home watching the ashes on, on TV. That's why I like cricket. I was made redundant. Now I love cricket. And I saw an advert for red and that, that's where I became a driving instructor. So that was very, it was a very passive thing. It's just like, oh, there, there's an advert. Yeah, I can do that. And that, that, that was the way I kind of lived my life up until that point. Um, in terms of my hospitality career, I never had to work that hard. At, obviously, I worked hard. I never had to figure things out about what my next move was because I had a mentor who looked after me very well and who was the most important person in my life for a long time. He unfortunately died a few years ago. But he took he, he would get a new job at a better hotel or a bigger hotel, and he would take me with him. It was almost like I, 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 I it was brilliant. I, I didn't have to do anything. We'd, we'd hear about a new five-star hotel opening, and I would say to Graham, so, so 
are, are you going to go and work there? And he said, yeah, maybe. Do you fancy it? Yeah, let's go and do it. Like, okay, yeah, cool. New job. Um, so, yeah, the, the whole concept of setting goals and setting targets and working out plans to achieve those goals was was great. I think you kind of spoke there about the culture and the goal set inside of it and how it inspired you with the, the stuff you did with Try Coaching in particular. Do you think coaching is lacking in our industry? Do you think it is that important that we need to bring it in? Because it strikes me that instructors tend to go to one extreme to the other. They either embrace it and say it should be everything, nothing else matters, or they despise it and like it's the work of the devil. It doesn't seem to be a middle ground sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a, I think there's a silly argument that goes on that's been going on um, ever since probably 2014, and that is coaching skills or instructional skills. When in actual fact, we need both. Um, but what I would say is, I firmly believe that all driving instructors need to be coaches, and using coaching skills is different from being a coach. You can't. It's very very difficult to. Get use coaching skills to the best of to get the best from coaching skills like goal setting, like eliciting feedback. If you don't have a coaching approach, a coaching mindset, a coaching way of um, the way you think about people, the way you interact with people you 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 don't know very well, the basic assumptions you have when you go into these kinds of relationships, I think that is what is missing in our industry um and it's that's i'm not saying i'm not saying that's easy it's it's you know it's, it's difficult enough to get driving instructors to use coaching skills to try and change someone's mindset <laughs> and their beliefs <laughs> as we know um it's difficult enough with younger people it's, it's more difficult with 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 adults in their 30s 40s and 50s but that's that's where we are i think um in in terms of uh, the, the the industry um, did that answer that question? I think so, but I do want to push you a little bit more because like you spoke about the assumptions we have about people there, and, and this fascinates me because I used to be that person. You know, I do think it's natural. You know, it's the first impression thing, and, and it's the idea of not wanting to blame yourself. You want to blame the other person because, you know, I am Lord and Saviour. Nothing can touch me, you know, and it's hard to move away from that. It's really difficult, and and... Do you think that's a big part of the problem, that idea that we're still seeing, you know, think about, I use social media example, what do we say all the time? This student does this, this student does this. Why do they always moan about this? Uh, they text me at two in the morning. Well, that's appropriate to them. Just because it's not appropriate to us doesn't mean it's not appropriate to them. Have we set those boundaries? Have we told them on the first lesson, actually, I'm not available after this time, so please don't yeah. text me after this time, you know? So... How important is that, that we embrace other people and work with the person rather than that pigeonhole and, and assigning follow? It's, it's hugely important because, as you say, we are human beings and whether we like it or not, we form opinions of people in the first seven seconds or, or whatever figure it is. It's, um, it's, it's, um, it's something that we need to work hard to overcome and we need to be, we need to learn to be more Charitable, I guess, is, is probably a good word. I was actually just looking through a book um, that was lying on my desk before we came on there, and it was, I've got a coaching book in front of me um, that's maybe relevant to this chat. Um, th th it says that a, a coaching conversation has ground rules regarding certain qualities that must be present. Respect, 
openness, compassion, empathy, and a rigorous commitment to speaking the truth. So these qualities, um, I don't think, are... Um, you need to train yourself to identify these qualities within yourself. If You, you have to want to be a coach. You have to um, recognize what these qualities are, and you have to um, practice um, your own kind of self-discipline in, in, in using them. Because either, and maybe this is a bit drastic, but either, I'm, I'm open to challenge on this, either you're going into driving lessons or PDI training or fleet training with a genuine desire to want to help the client, however that client presents, and whoever that client is, and whatever the issues or the challenges are, or you're going into that relationship, um, or, or you're going to your work only wanting to teach a certain type of person, the person you got on with, the person who has the same values as you, who has the same sense of humour as you, um, who you, you you hear instructors talking about, just just the person you click with. And that's that's that that's kind of what you were referring to earlier on. You you, you see things on Facebook, and it makes me really sad. I, I don't I don't um, I don't play on Facebook in terms of chats and all that kind of stuff. I I try not to get involved in that, but I get very sad when I see comments about pupils, and then all of a sudden you get twenty five posts underneath saying, "Yeah, bin them, bin them, yeah." Oh, I hate that. Yeah, yeah. Just just because what what people are looking for are. Are a, a, a stereotypical good pupil, without maybe thinking to themselves, is there anything that I could change in my approach um, that would maybe help this person? Because, yeah, because that that's the way it should be to me. You know, it's, everyone's different. Everyone comes to driving lessons or PDI training with their own values, their own beliefs, their own nerves their own background situations, their own noise. And who are we to kind of judge that whole person based on 45 minutes of a driving lesson where they've not conformed to what we're looking for in a client? I think I largely agree. And I'm going to come back onto the exception in a second, actually, because I get quite excited sometimes, you know, when you, like the example you use, you know, binum, binum, binum. If I see, and I think that's local to me, I, I want that student. I'm excited by that. That's like, oh, cool. That's someone I want to work with. That sounds like a, a fun challenge to me. And that that's what makes driving instructing fun to me, the fact that it's someone different every time. But that, again, probably wasn't me five or six years ago. Yeah. The, the, the big thing for me, and, and the word I use a lot now, is I'm curious. So I'm curious about the person with me, but I'm curious about myself. So when I get those that resistance, it's like, why why am I getting that resistance? That's interesting. Why is that? And and the the thing I was maybe going to rebut against slightly, and and is there's all well, actually to be fair, you did mention this. It's the boundaries element. So for example, I, I use the example quite a lot, but it's an easy one to use. Is that I don't want to work with or be around people that are aggressively homophobic, for example. So I do filter people out and, you know, I'll do that on social media because now and again, I'll bob up the pride flag on somewhere. And and guess what? If anyone sees that, they're not coming to me, you know? So it, it's a bit like, I think there's there's exceptions to what you were saying, but that's probably more just about personal decency than anything else. No, absolutely. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and from a, from a, a kind of mental health and, and looking after yourself perspective, the, the 
the, the, it's important that you work with people who do share certain values with you. There's, there's some very interesting work on this um, from, I know you know, Zoe Hawkins and um, Joe Wheatley, they, 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 they talk very well about this in terms of people's behaviour doesn't always reflect their values because sometimes people say things because they're trying to fit in and they maybe assume that um, you will share the same beliefs as them. So this is this is this is complex stuff. But if you're uncomfortable working with someone um, because of things that they say or because you perceive that they hold certain values, then absolutely, we're we're we're, we're business people. We're 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 bouncers in the nightclub door. We can refuse entry. You know, we can we can do that anytime we like if we don't think it's working. Um, but let's not let's not um, be too quick to rush to judgment in cases where there's nothing blatant like that. Nothing blatantly offensive, you know. Um, I've, I've, um, I've, what's, what's the word? Um, I've, I've not broken up. That sounds too romantic. Um, I've broken contracts, broken agreements um, with clients over things like um, lack of lack of effort into the the working relationship. But I like to think I've tried to resolve it first in a in a reasonable manner through contracting or recontracting. I probably have broken agreements and contracts with people who I, I don't, I don't, I, I feel don't share the same beliefs as me. But I, I struggle to think of that off the top of my head just now. It would definitely be a, a, from my, my my learner driver side of my career more than a PDI. I think you mentioned uh, Zoe and Joe there. Uh, I'm just gonna, for anyone listening, if you haven't, go and check out the episode from season four. Uh, brilliant episode with those guys. Really generous with their time to come on. And also check out their podcast, The Coaching Crowd, uh, like 10, 15-minute episodes. Really, really insightful. And they cover a lot of the stuff we've, we've just been talking about there. But yeah. just yeah. going back onto what you were saying, I, I think that a lot of people use the things we've just spoke about as an excuse. You know, it's... I had this student once three years ago that did this one thing that is the exception to the rule and therefore I should never, ever do coaching again. Is that something you see? Do you think people use that as an excuse rather than actually having the the wherewithal to change and try and change and make a difference? Um, so I'm, go- I'm going to push back on your question because I don't I don't think the majority of driving instructors have the training um, to, 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 to manage all that kind of stuff in terms of, Approaching, um, really, so, I mean, some people might have it naturally. I guess I, I didn't. Um, I've, I've had to learn it. But that whole going into relationships, assuming that people are capable, assuming that people are um, want to learn, or maybe not want to learn, but are capable of learning, capable of solving problems. I think that's something you need to to um, to, to train yourself up for or get training on. What you're referring to, I think, is more about coaching skills. When you see people. Um, and we've seen this for many years. Well, do you know, I, I, I keep asking my learners what what they want to do today, and you know, they don't, they don't, they don't want to set goals. They, they they want me to do it for them, and that that so, and and then the instructor just falls into the trap, saying, oh, "Well, maybe two or three people don't want it, so I'll just I'll just stop asking people." That's a cop out. That's a cop out because then you're generalising, and and all, all it means is you you have some work to do on your own coaching skills to be better. At creating that that um, the, the expectation in that relationship, and setting the the the, the structure up in a way that people will buy into. 
Um, so yeah, I, th- I think the coaching is, again, we briefly mentioned that the coaching relationship and your approach as a coach is different from the coaching skills, but the skills and the techniques are a hell of a lot easier if you have that mindset to start out with. We will be back with more from Stuart Lockery in just a moment, but we're just taking a brief pause to give a shout out to some of the latest signups to the Instructor Podcast Premium. However, since season five, there have been quite a lot of you signing up. So rather than shout all of you out now, I am just going to mention a handful and we'll spread the rest throughout the rest of the show. So a big thank you to Stuart Lockery, Carl King, Matthew Burnham, Anne Louise, John Hembry, Sharon Clark, Melly Judd, Joshua Holleran, Stuart, Die Driving and John Wright. These guys have decided to enhance their CPD by signing up for the Instructor Podcast Premium for as little as £10 a month, where they immediately got access to over 100 exclusive trainings from some of the industry's leading experts and from some of the outside the industry as well. And if you're considering signing up, check out our new free trial. There is a week's free trial where you get access to everything within the £10 tier. There are no restrictions on that. You can sign up and listen or watch or read everything in the £10 tier on a free week's trial. And I will also just say this, that everyone pretty much that signs up and gets stuck in gives me the same feedback. And they say that it's one, if not the best form of CPD that they have come across. But if you want to sign up or check out a free week's trial, you can head to the show notes for this episode where you can find links to find out more or head to the website www.theinstructorpodcast.com where you can find links and more information. Alternatively, drop me a message. I'm always happy to have a chat. But for now, Let's get back into the show. I'd agree. And I do think that's an interesting one because, again, it's something that I used to push back on a little bit. You know, I used to do that. I asked them once and they didn't know, so therefore no one wants to. But now what I find a lot is you ask them, they'll say they don't know. So you say, shall I give you some options? And they choose. Within a few weeks, they're texting me before lesson saying, can we do this today? I've been thinking, or you'll make a plan on one lesson. Then they'll see some on the bus and want to go do something different. And, I, and how awesome is that? But that only comes about because we give them the opportunity, isn't it? and we need to give them that opportunity. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's um, the, the, the way we like to do it, um, the, the way I kind of train the PDIs is, um, one of the main reasons that people say, I don't know, I've got no idea, is that you're putting them on the spot and, you know, they're just out of bed. <laughs> um, so what do, do we like, I like to do is get the reflection, encourage them to go and reflect at the end of a driving lesson or a PDI session. Get, give them some kind of notebook to write that down in or, or an online resource if, if, if that's what you use. And then give them the opportunity to think about their goal for the next lesson and come back with uh, at the start of the lesson or text you midweek so you can prep a lesson a little bit. So that whole not putting them on the spot, giving them time on their own to reflect um, is, is really, really useful. You can even give them a text message a couple of days before a lesson to say, have you got, I've got a goal yet? Because then they don't have the excuse that you've put them on the spot. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of important. We've kind of got off the track of them. Um, yeah, whatever we were talking about. Sorry. I, 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 oh, no, no, it was coaching. So coaching and that course, is, yeah, is, okay. is interesting to me. But yeah. what, what I am going to ask you is if someone was listening to this and they're thinking that maybe they're struggling with some of this stuff mm-hmm. and they're thinking of where to start, would Bright Coaching be a good place to start? 
<laughs> um, I would obviously like to say yes to that, Terry. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be right coaching. You can you can pick up a copy of Coaching for Performance by Sir John Whitmore, um, or um, the the book by uh, Jed and Claire Wilmot. And that the, the, these are two really good introductory resources to coaching and driving instructor training. Well, the, the, the second one in, in driver training. The first one, just coaching in general, is is like the Bible, um, as, as, as close to we have as a Bible. Um, my goal for bright coaching is that it will give driving instructors an introduction to coaching. When I when I decided that I wanted to develop another qualification, because at that time I was developing another qualification to run alongside the BTEC four. I, I kind of felt like, and I'm, I, maybe I'm wrong in this, but I, I kind of felt that coaching was no longer new to the industry. I kind of assumed that most PDIs were being trained in the way that we train our PDIs, which kind of starts off with coaching and builds in the instructional stuff as, as, as we go along. When I was writing the qualification, I also had to take into account that I, I would maybe have people who have completed the BTEC for who would then be coming to do our qualification. So the balance, the challenge is, was, was to not have it too complex for people who were had no, uh, no exposure to coaching originally. I hope we've got that balance right. But if we don't, I can tweak it and we can put some some pre-work in. One of the one of the things that the qualify that I was keen that this qualification had was lots of pre-work um that people are going to be able to watch before the the the, the modules, the in-person modules. And if you are new to coaching, you will be signposted to these kinds of resources, but also there will be webinars that, that we've created that will go over these fundamentals, these principles, um, both for coaching standalone coaching but also for coaching as it relates to driver training and can it give, give you the history of what's happened since 2010 2014 2017 these kind of key dates um right up to date today so yeah um trying to fit the qualification to suit people of all different levels of ability i hope is what we've done that qualification is a PDA level seven coaching behavioral change and driver psychology. Yes. So what is that qualification? Because I know what an NVQ is. I know what a BTEC is. I don't know what a PDA is. Yep. So a, a PDA stands for Professional Development Award. It is a, a branded qualification, which is owned by SQA. SQA is the Scottish Qualifications Authority. They're our equivalent of Ofqual. Um, they do all the they, they they hold the contract. I think it's a contract um, for all of the um, high school Nat fives or whatever, whatever they're called now. I'm, I've, it's been a long time since I was at school, so they've changed several times since I left school. Um, but they they kind of are responsible for all of that kind of high school college um, certificates, vocational qualifications. We have do you have HNCs and HNDs? It sounds familiar. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I think it might be an SQA thing. Um, so a, a PDA um, is broadly similar to a BTEC, which is why I chose it. Yeah, I could I could have chosen any and fitted the qualification to to any criteria. 
but I wanted to set it um, parallel or in line with the BTEC level four. To be a PDA level seven, your content has to be solid. Your content has to be approved by um, subject experts within SQA. So I, I speak to SQA and I say, this is what I want to teach. This is what I, this is my resources. This is um, how I'm going to deliver it. And they will take that content. Uh, I have like a quality service manager or a quality content manager, I think they're called. And they will go to um, coaching coaches, professional coaches within SQA, for example, who will assess my material um, to make sure it's legitimate, that I'm, I'm up to date with all my research, all my academic research that we have included. And it is up to date because that was one of the primary goals to to update the the academic stuff from 2010, which was when the BTEC 4 content was. And then the second thing was about becoming, uh, to, to, to host, to, to deliver that qualification. Bright Coaching had to become a, an SQA training centre. Um, it's a very long process. We're, we're almost at the end of it now, um, like a six-month process where we have to go through all sorts of quality assurance, uh, GDPR, malpractice policies, um, making sure that we are um, we have um, policies in place that mean that anyone can do this qualification if they want to, um, regardless of physical impairments and all this kind of thing. So we have to have all, a whole um, kind of gamut of of resources available. Um, so that's that's what we've been working on for quite a while. Um, as I said earlier on, I didn't know that tri coaching was going to eat itself so publicly or just eat itself and, and disappear. Uh, it's something I've been thinking of doing for a long while. Obviously, when when the BTEC four stopped being delivered, I basically cleared my desk um, and f- got 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 to got to launching it basically, um, and that's where we are now. Yeah, I like that phrase as well. Um, eating itself. Um, apparently, it was going to all be free, wasn't it? At some point, that was one of the things that popped up. But yeah, either way, let's let's not dive too much into that now. Yeah, the... yeah. Listen, listen. Just I mean, just just before you go on there, I I don't I. Uh, Regardless of what anyone thinks about Tri Coaching Partnership, you cannot you cannot take away from um, the product that was developed. That that product was that product was a game changer. That 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 disrupted our industry, and that's why it appealed to me so much, and it appealed to so many people. Um, I'm not, and, and you'll have to look at the people who have come out of that BTEC for um, so many of them speaking at that expo, um, who are now you know top 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 end trainers. Um, and they were inspired by that to 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 go on and do do these things. Um, so I've got nothing to nothing bad to say about Tri Coaching Partnership. Um, I'm, I'm I'm actually sorry that that qualification won't be around. Maybe it'll come back one day. Uh, that that would be a good thing. I mean, touch on what you said. They gave a real kickstart to the uh, CPD in the industry, not just the BTEC stuff, but you know, the, the again, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but it was a real kickstart to the industry. But I, I want to come back to, to your qualification for a second, because I just want to put a tiny bit of clarity on this and I'm probably going to annoy some people and it's not intentional. So, you know, forgive me. Um, but if someone was to attend, for example, one of the expert sessions that I run, I could create a pretty little certificate and give them that little certificate. And, you know, you've passed this course or, or whatever. That's not what you've done. This is a uh, an educational board verified qualification. Yeah, this is this is um, this, <laughs> this has been hard work. 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm not belittling any, anyone who writes a course. Um, anyone who's written a course before um, knows that it is, is a difficult thing to do. But to get it to a standard where it can be approved by an awarding body like edXL in case of the, the BTEC or um, SQA, um, uh, to, to give it, maybe maybe give a little bit more context, this will maybe make more sense to the guys in Scotland, but I'll try and explain it in a way that, that kind of fits with England as well. SQA are an awarding body, um, but every qualification that they present, that they approve, has to sit on a framework. And that framework in Scotland, it's called the Scottish Credit and Qualifications Framework. Every qualification in Scotland has to has to sit there. Um, and it's all the learning outcomes have to be mapped to that. All the assignments have to be phrased in such a way that um, reflects the level that you want to pitch it at. Um, so to give you a very kind of, um, and I'm just making this up as I go along, so don't don't quote me on this, but for example, if you have an assignment question that says, um, describe what the GDE matrix is, then that qualification um, would, would sit at a certain level, whether that's two or three, and I'm making that up, don't quote me on it, two or three. But if your assessment says something like, design, design an, an intervention, um, design a, 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 a short program for your your clients, um, which introduces them to the GTA matrix, and then write a short essay which justifies its benefits to driver training. Then you've been asked to present an argument and justify that argument, and that is that that that, that change in academic language is is important because that's what push that's what makes it more difficult. And that's what the, the challenge is in getting a qualification accredited. Um, you have to, your assignments have to be difficult, but not too difficult. Um, and I don't want anyone to be put off by the fact that um, there are assignments because I'm fully aware that we, as, as, as driving instructors come from all different backgrounds and all different career paths, and some have had poor experiences with education my experience in education wasn't great but my 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 job here my 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 function at the moment is to upskill driving instructors that's what i'm trying to do there is no it's not in my interest at all to exclude driving instructors by using fancy language and getting them to do stuff that is too difficult i want people to get this qualification and sqa do as well and every assignment that we have is fully supported um, by our team of trainers um, and if anyone's worried about that then please just get in touch, give me a call If, if don't let the fact that there are assignments put you off the training because you will learn you will learn stuff It's obviously based in Scotland and the, the in-person stuff is in Scotland as well but is it open to anyone? Can anyone sign up for it? It's open to anyone, yeah I've already got two people coming up from England um, one from Manchester one from the Midlands um, so they're, they're traveling on. When I did the uh, the BTEC, I went to Milton Keynes for it, uh, which maybe makes us slightly um, more eccentric than others. I'm not expecting everyone to come up from London and all that kind of stuff. But again, one of my other aims was to build a Scottish training company. We've never had a Scottish training company, um, and that that put a lot that puts a lot of Scottish ADIs off CPD because they always have to travel. Um, so it was, it was, I was quite, um, adamant that the, the first few for the launch anyway 
we will be in Glasgow. There will always be a course in Glasgow, maybe even further north, um, up towards Perthshire eventually. Um, but we're launching in Glasgow. I mean, I was coming away from that topic slightly for a second because it just it fascinates me. Again, look, being curious about me, it's like I just assume everyone's English. That, that's <laughs> everyone in the world is English until I find out different. And I'm always a bit surprised as well that when I look at the stats of where people listen to my podcast, people listening to Yorkshire is really low down the list, really low. London, this podcast is massive. Manchester yeah. is really big. London, uh, sorry, uh, Yorkshire, really low. Yeah. Um, say it's growing in Scotland and uh, and in Wales as well. And it's like, I need to be a bit more embracing with this stuff. And I need to actually think now a little bit further afield rather than just thinking, I'm in my room and everybody else can kind of come to me and listen. So it, it, it's interesting for me from that aspect. Just coming back to Bright Coaching, though, the... Your website goes live, it opens up on the 30th of October, um, yes. which this episode is going on the 29th. So if you're listening to on the day it goes out, go check it out tomorrow. So people can sign up from the course from the 30th, and I believe there's an early bird discount, is that right? There is an early bird discount um, that will be open for, I think, I think I've opened it for the first two or three weeks, can't remember exactly. Um, but yeah, that that early bird code, we can maybe put that in the comments on the the show notes if you've got show notes, Terry. We'll, we can put the code in that in there for your listeners. It's a it's a good early bird discount. It's twenty percent off the off the list price of the course. But there there won't there won't be a lot of discounts. Um, there are there are costs involved with in person training, as I'm sure you're aware. Um, my my background is hospitality, so I'm a little bit snobbish when it comes to my hotels. So we're at we're at a nice hotel. You know, <laughs> because that's where I I've chosen to work in a hotel. It, it'll be a nice hotel, but everyone will get a nice lunch. Um, we've got a lovely meeting room, um, all that kind of stuff. And the other thing that I was really keen to do is is pay my 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 trainers really well, and um and 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 we're doing that. Um, and we've got good resources and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, there there is a list price. It's 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 um, it, to many people it's a lot of money. It's it's, it's not. Cheap. Um, I just hope that the value is there um, and it will be worth it. You know, the last question I want to ask you about this qualification, unless you've got anything else you want to add, is let's say I signed up and I come and do it and at the end of it, what will be the difference in me? You know, what will I have developed in that time? Um, so I think knowledge um, and, and you've asked me if there's anything else I was add, so I'm going to link these two questions together. I think that coaching has... Everyone's been talking about coaching for the past 10, 12 years. That, 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 that's fine. That's important. Um, and then we have this whole polarized debate about coaching versus instruction and you know, all these all these dramas on social media. Um, and I think we've neg- maybe not neglected, neglected is a bit harsh, but there, there is so much more out there that driving instructors um, can be learning about. Um, as a, a, alongside coaching, not not as opposed to, but alongside coaching, and so many other um, um, things that people like Liz Box are involved in, and Lisa Dorn and Ian Edwards. So my my one of my initial aims, another of my initial aims when doing a qualification was to build that content into it as well. Which the BTEC four didn't do. It was it was well not not at least not um it, it, it didn't directly built in. It was alluded to. It was um it was referenced, but not in a way that um driving instructors 
went away with improved knowledge and skills in these subject areas because coaching, driver psychology and behavioural change are three very different topics, hence the name of the qualification. And I know it's a mouthful. I know it's a mouthful. But I've tried to shorten it and I wasn't happy with it. So when we talk about driver psychology, we're talking about things like physical limitations to the human body. You know, we're talking about attention. We're talking about... um, what actually happens to the body when it's fatigued? What happens to the body when it is overloaded and it's trying to multitask? Um, there's a, a really good thread on LinkedIn just now, and I'm not coming out one way or another on on, on either side of this. Um, but you've maybe heard this before. It's about can we stop? Can we stop calling them accidents? Because accidents sound makes it sound like um, we can't be avoided. Accidents have reasons and all this kind of stuff. And I'm sympathetic to the argument. I'm not sure I agree because um, as people go on and learn more about this kind of stuff, you, you, you kind of figure out that anyone can make a mistake. And actually more than that, everyone does make mistakes. Everyone does make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Um, you only have to look at, I'm sorry to bring the football analogy back in again, but it was the one that I, I first kind of figured this out from. You only have to look at how many people argue about offside decisions in football to see that our eyes deceive us all the time. Our first impressions of what we see are not always accurate, and we assume that they are. We just assume that we are and that we are always correct. If our eyesight was perfect and our interpretations of what we see um, was perfect, there would be no such thing as optical illusions. They would not exist. But they do, and every so often they blow up on social media. Likewise, behavioural change, and this is the most interesting part, um, um, I I think, to me, um, because it's where I've improved my knowledge most in the last kind of two years. And it's where the industry has made so many leaps and bounds, I think, since the BTEC Level 4. Um, the concept of what does change behaviour and how does behaviour change? Um I would be. I'm very interested to hear what happened at the virtual reality, the the, the ice thing. I know that Ian Edwards was there, and Ian Edwards is very. He speaks very eloquently about about everything because he's just a he's a legend. Um, but he speaks about um, how a lot of the behavioural change interventions used to be based on shock tactics, and about going into schools. Fire brigades used to go into schools with the best of intentions, doing nothing against the firemen, um, and showing teenagers the um, horrific crashes or the results of horrific crashes to the extent where we would get actors in with fake blood and injuries and all, and get the blue lights and all that kind of stuff. And what we're finding out now is that that doesn't actually work as well as, as we thought it would work because people look at it and think that the, the message doesn't resonate with them because of... Um, I don't want to give away my qualification here, but we, we, we all suffer from optimism bias. We all think that good things are going to happen to us and bad things happen to other people. So you show a classroom full of 30 kids um, the results of a crash where two people get taken to hospital with serious life-changing um, injuries. Some of them are going to be upset by it, but it's a small percentage. Some of some of them might take, take that away, but to the vast majority of that that classroom of 30 kids, they're going to say, well, I'm not going to drive like that. That's not going to be me. And they'll base that decision on things that were included in the message, like the car that's used. 
So the car was a Fiat 500. Well, I'm not going to drive a Fiat 500. I'm going to have a far better car than that. I'm going to drive a BMW 1 Series. So I'll be far safer. That won't happen to me. The car's better. The car's more stable. It's got airbags and all that kind of stuff. That's not going to happen to me. Or the music that was playing in the car. Well, that's not me. I don't listen to Taylor Swift. Do you know, I listen to Guns N' Roses, so that is not me. I don't relate to that. So these these are um, flaws in the shock tactic arguments that um, used to be in, in employed, probably still are um, to, to a huge extent. But there's a, there's a lot more to it. We now know that behavioural change techniques have to resonate with certain people, uh, with people in a certain way. Um, for them to engage with it, just like any content anyone creates, really. You create content, that, that, that's your job. You are a content creator. There's no point in you coming on here and talking about, oh, I don't know, talking about becoming a Formula One driver because that's going to resonate with a very, very tiny number of petrol heads who are driving instructors. It's not going to resonate with me because I know nothing about cars. Famously, I know nothing about cars. I own a driving school. I work in this industry. Everybody knows that I'm, I'm trying to do big things. I know nothing about cars. Don't ask me anything. So behavioral change stuff is 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 um, has changed a lot in the past 14 years, um, and I wanted to bring all that more up to date um, so that driving instructors have an understanding of it. The first thing I want to mention for anyone listening is that today I am not wearing my Taylor Swift T-shirt. Um, <laughs> The the second thing is that after hearing that, I am now the cogs are turning, thinking how can I how can I get on this course now? <laughs> we speak about things that excite me, and you just have. Um, but I do want to touch back a little bit on what you were saying about the uh, the accident collision thing, because this is something I feel quite strongly about, and and I think maybe slightly differently to you, because I agree that everyone can have accidents, um, but I think that. To, to write them off as accidents is a little bit flippant at times. I know this isn't what you're saying at all, but you can't run someone over and go, yeah, well, you know, accidents happen. And I think that's the danger we go down by doing that. And I think that by giving it that... Diff- I'm, not, I'm not arguing about this, by the way. I'm maybe not that passionate, but I, I, I do think that by referring to stuff as accidents, I think it takes a bit of the seriousness away. But bringing that back to the instruction side for a second, I think that's really relevant with learners. I think this is where not just learners, but new drivers sometimes struggle because there's um, a set of lights sort of local to me that are notoriously uh, quick changing from one direction. And there's always a queue there. So people are running the red, trying to get through, you know, and I was a lead car recently and I stalled because just as I brought my foot, my leg got cramped and I couldn't get my clutch back down. So the lights changed. The guy's behind going mental, beeping on his arm. I don't think it helped the situation by laughing at him, but either way, <laughs> I just laughing, got my cramp out. They changed again. Five minutes later, off I went, no problem. Yeah. I think if a learner or a new driver had done that and then the guy's behind kicking off, beeping his arm, they don't handle that situation the same. And that's always something that interests me as well. You know, the fact that because I've been driving this length of time and because I've got the confidence, it's like, yeah, whatever, not bad. I'm going, don't worry. Whereas the learner has that dramatic effect to it. And I think that is where, you know, I think I do think we need to be a little bit careful with the language there. But yeah, Um, I want to touch on one other thing because we've mentioned a few times today about things that are exciting and different. 
And I got quite excited the other day. This, maybe I'm just geeking out a little bit, but the the honest truth, you've partnered up with the honest truth, and I genuinely think this is brilliant. You know, again, anyone listening, go back and check out season five. There was an episode with James Evans on there talking about this stuff. Um, but I'm going to just throw that over to you. Tell us a bit about what you're doing with honest truth, because I just think that's a, a, a brilliant thing. I I, I am blown away by this Terry. Um I don't I don't mind telling you. Um it's 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 incredible. I I I kind of mentioned earlier on, I can't remember if it was off air or on air. Um the, the, the this has been a labor of love. It's been really hard work. Um I've learned a lot about myself through doing this qualification, um, through developing it. I've had I've had weeks on end where I've thought to myself, you know, I can't I can't do this. I I I, I don't have the skill set. I, I'm not almost kind of doubting myself and thinking that um, I'm being a bit arrogant and thinking that I can do what I'm trying to do. You know, put myself up there with Sue McCormick is is, is basically it. Um, so I've had moments of kind of real doubt, and then other times I think to myself, "Well, hang on a minute, no stuff that I'm I'm a game changer. You know, I'm a disruptor. I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get back on it." But those two extremes, those highs and lows. Which everyone goes through, I get that. I know how all that works. You know, self-doubt and you know bugger everyone else, I'm doing it. I, I I get all that. Um but I've been blown away by um the amount of positive feedback I've had, in, in, including yourself, um, but many other kind of senior people in the industry that they they think that there's a, a market for this qualification, that they think it's important. Even people like Ian Edwards. Um, who to me is like he's, he's like he's like God, you know, in terms of behavioural change stuff. Um, I spoke to him. I went to him for advice on it. I spoke to Liz Box about it as well. Because I'm not doing this in, in an arrogant kind of way that I, I I know all this stuff. I've I've done my research. I've I've asked for input from everyone, and that's validated me. I've taken great validation from that, and it's it's encouraged me to get over um, th- these kind of moments of self doubt. And to push on and get it over the line, and we're nearly there. But by far, the the biggest piece of validation it has was was when I approached Ollie Ollie Taylor um, at the Honest Truth, and I, I I asked him because I thought I've got nothing to lose. I've got nothing to lose. I I, I knew that my module and behavioural change needed to have some kind of resources that I could give driving instructors to take away to do their assignment, and I developed a few. By, by myself through stuff that I've used previously. Um, but I just thought to myself that if we can help the honest truth um, to gain more traction across the country, um, it will be a huge benefit to Bright Coaching to tie up with such a well-recognized, well-respected brand as well. Um, and my, I was worried that they thought I was just jumping on their bandwagon, and I, and I said that to Ollie. I didn't. I was actually worried, so worried that I didn't. I didn't approach him directly. I didn't cold call him. And I'm not shy usually, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm friends with Sue Duncan, obviously the, 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 the amazing legend that is Sue Duncan, uh, uh, the NGC, the secretary. And I know that she knows Ollie really well. And I, I did something really old fashioned. I asked her to introduce me to to Ollie. And she she kindly did that. This is a week before the expo. And um Ollie said, Yeah, sure, no problem. Let's set up a Zoom call. Tomorrow? <laughs> That's Ollie. Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And I kid you not, I had about a two-hour Zoom call with Ollie. 
and I just talked and I gibbled even more than usual. I, I just, I just, I just vented about everything I wanted to do and my my motivations and my what I wanted the course to be and would the honest truth be interested in teaming up? And he just kind of, he just kind of, he 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 embraced it. He, he embraced it. He just, um, he just said yes. He had to go. He had to obviously clear it with James. Um, first car, honest truth works under first car. Um, and yeah, he was just so supportive, and he got he got where I was coming from. Um, and I said to him, listen, I, if you guys, I, I don't want you guys to think I'm jumping the bandwagon because this is huge for my new business. I'm launching a new business here. Um, I'm going to benefit from this financially. I'm not a charity. I'm going to make money from this. And I don't want you to think that um, I'm, I, I'm using um, the honest truth in that way. I genuinely believe that the two things work in tandem. And Ollie, Ollie thinks that we're, 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 he, he bought that and he, he's buying into it. And um, he came up with some ideas about how we could change things, which were very good ideas. Um, one of which is the fact that all of our um, candidates on the qualification will get 12 months access to the Theory Test Pro included in their course fee, um, which is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Um, it will grow the Honest Truths presence in Scotland because they don't have a big presence in Scotland. I'm just going to interrupt uh, for a second just to clarify because you said you just said the candidates get 12 months access to the Theory Test Pro. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just used to saying that. I mean, honest truth. Twelve, yeah. 12 months access to the honest truth. Yeah. Um, so that's included in the in in the qualification price, the the, the price that you pay, and it will help grow their presence in Scotland as well. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm I'm grateful to Ollie. I'm grateful to James, um, and it just it's 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 going to make what I think is already a very, very good qualification, a very good product. It just takes it to a different level now. And it will mean that when people are going to do their assignments um, and their tasks in car, because the, these assignments are not just sit down with an essay, obviously. You have to you have to go away and put what you're learning into practice in car with your learners or your PDIs or, or whoever. Um, and now that they will have really professional-looking resources from the honest truth, which which we know which we know are, are, are great they're excellent um yeah I'm, I'm just grateful grateful i think that's um awesome I, I really do i mentioned it before that i i was really impressed when i saw that i think it's a really good step in the right direction for driving instructors and the honest truth um i think that needs to be more prominent and kudos uh, to you for doing it but also interesting listening to your talk there it does sound a little bit like listening to myself talk um you know even like asking you to come on the podcast i've got the message typed out on my phone phone gets closed put away think about it for a bit can i send it can't i send it you know so it was it was like listening to myself um in certain situations and and a lot of the stuff you said today has impressed inspired and excited and i don't think i can ask for more than that and the question I want to ask you now, and I'm going to start asking everyone this that comes on the show, what personal slash prevalent personal slash professional I'm going to ask a new word I'm going to use <laughs> what personal slash professional development do you take pine? What what is it what's give me an example of something that you do? Um so I'm finishing off my ILM diploma. 
in coaching, uh, effective coaching and mentoring. I'm, I'm doing that through In Good Company um, with uh, Zoe and Joe. So they're excellent. Um, that's, that's, that's quite a high-end diploma, but they also have level three certificates in um, coaching and mentoring as well, which a couple of our driving instructors are going through. Um, so that's really good because I think there's value in going, I've heard you talk about this before, getting that outside of our industry perspective on things. You're, you're great at that bringing out um, other, other people in um, and to think to to um, go through content that is not for driving instructors makes you work harder to build the context for yourself and there's huge value in that um, so yeah if you've got an opportunity or you, you think you've identified any CPD from outside the industry that you can use in your own job then, then that's amazing. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts as well um, Obviously, your own stuff is is, is excellent. Um, I really love some of the kind of um, it, it, it's a little bit sad. I really love the the kind of Huberman stuff, um, and he gets a little bit of a bad rep for many things. You know, you know get yourself outside at seven a.m. and stare at the sun and get sunlight in your eyes. Um, but there's so much about it that is positive, self affirming, um, inspiring to me in terms of how you live your life and you know things like nutrition and looking after your body and how your brain works. Um so I really get a lot from the Huberman podcast at the moment. I would encourage you. And that's is 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 a lot of it's hard going. Do you know this guy does this guy this guy's a real pro Terry. No don't, don't, don't take this the wrong way, but his his podcasts are like two and a half hours long. Um three hours long. He's 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 it's it's, it's really impressive stuff. But he is a he's a neurobiologist, I think. Um, at Stanford University. So there's lots of great guests on talking about goal setting, talking about growth mindset, um, nutrition, all this kind of stuff, supplements, all that, if you're interested. Yeah, um, I do like the Hoberman podcast, I must admit, because I love a long, something you can get stuck into. He did one recently yeah. on, I think it was a psychology of goal setting. It was about two and a half hours long, like you say, and it was one of the best things I've listened to, but just yeah. before I, I jumped on here today, I've noticed his uh, release one with Mark Zuckerberg, which oh, wow. that should be, uh, and he doesn't do stuff like that, so that could be interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like good stuff, and I, I'm pleased that you included the Instructor Podcast in that somewhere, that's nice. Um, <laughs> so as we've said, there, there will be show notes for everything we've spoken about today, so there'll be links in the show notes for everything we've, we've spoken about today, and on the website, so people go check out the blog post if uh, they want to, but just want to remind everyone where they can find you or if they've got anything else you'd like to steer them towards. Um, not at all. Um, Bright Coaching. Um, brightcoaching.net is the website. If you go there um, tonight, if you're watching this on the Sunday night, you'll just see a landing page with a sign-up form to the mailing list. Um, so please do that if you're doing that tonight. From tomorrow, the website will be open um, with a little bit more information on the PDA level seven, you can con there'll be a contact form on there that you can um, get in touch with any questions. I'm on Facebook. You can pin me a, a message on Facebook. I don't get notifications, so if I'm a bit slow in responding, I do apologise. But I guess the final thing that I would um, like to push is just the the ADINGC um, associations are important um, for so many people in our industry. Um, they do so many things well. They do, they're do they not perfect by any stretch of the imagination because we cannot please all of the people all, all of the time. Um, but if associations were to disappear, the, the industry would miss them. Um, if you're not happy with the way an association is run, you know, get involved, get on the committee and try and change it yourself. That's, that's, that's what I would say. 
But you're saying that if I go on Facebook and just rant about an association and say in some random comment the thing that I think you should be doing, that's not going to make a difference. <laughs> Surprisingly, no. Surprisingly. I need to change my approach, clearly. Um, <laughs> no, uh, thank you for your time today, Stuart. It's been an absolute pleasure. Always great, Terry. Thank you so much. Have a good week. Yeah. So a big thank you to Stuart Locker there for joining me. Uh, a really good start season six. Really enjoyed that episode. Some fascinating insights around coaching and in particular mindset that I think I mentioned it on the show that, that I used to have of, well, I tried this once and it didn't work. So therefore I'm never going to try it again or no one ever wants to do it. And I think that it, I like Stuart's approach to coaching in that we should all be coaches but that doesn't mean we're always going to coach. There is a time for instruction. And that's something that I, again, used to struggle with, this idea that, you know, if they're going to crash into the bus, how can I ask them a question about that? I need to stop them crashing into the bus. Well, that's what we do. We stop them crashing into the bus, whether it's verbally or physically or whatever. And I think once I got my head around that barrier, coaching started to come more natural. Now, when I say natural, still learning, still developing, still trying to get better. but it came easier when I started taking that standpoint of how can I help people and let's not give up just because it doesn't work very well on one occasion. So yeah, really enjoyed that and definitely go and check out the stuff that Stuart's doing with Bright Coaching. I'm fascinated to see what the PDA Level 7 turns out like next year. I think what he's doing with Honest Truth is brilliant. You can find links to all this stuff in the show notes and go and check out the website as well, theinstructorpodcast.com. There'll be links up over there to it as well. Or just go and check out Stuart Direct. I'm sure he'll be happy to have a conversation with you. One other little thing around Stuart. Stuart recently recorded uh, an edition of the Standard Check Checklist for my premium membership. So if you want to go and check that out alongside the other nine, so 10 competencies that we've covered in total with people like Ray Seagrave, Emma Cottington, Chris Benstead, Phil Hurst, and Stuart Lockery, um, there's been 10 competencies covered and we're working his way through all 17. That's not the only content we have over there. We've got stuff on coaching, on mindfulness, with people like Bob Morton, Sam Harper, Ray Seagrave, Kevin Tracy Field, all these awesome folks, as well as people like Sophie Thompson and Laura Joyce for helping us with stuff on the peripherals. And if you want to check out, at the minute, the best way to check out the Instructor Podcast Premium is to sign up for a free week's trial. You sign up for a week, you get access to everything. There's no limitations on what you get. You get access to everything in the £10 tier, so you could go and listen to 100 hours worth of stuff in that week and then disappear. Ideally, you won't. You'll hang about because we do put new content out every month. There's two, three, four episodes go out every month. So go and check that out at www.theinstructorpodcast.com. And the last thing I'm going to say today is that back on last season, I had the tagline that if you're not enjoying your job, you're doing it wrong. And whilst I still stand by that, I think it's time I reverted back to maybe a little bit more about what this podcast is about, going right back to season one with a tagline I used then, which was quite simply, let's keep raising standards. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.